so much of it is just looking at data. Like you almost have to be a little bit of a data scientist. You do have to be a data scientist. And, you know, we would take, okay, here's our top performing videos of the week. And then we would like watch them. We would study them. We would talk about like, here's why we think this one, you know, performed better. And then you essentially like iterate on those hypotheses. So, you know, an example is like one thing we found was that the first three seconds of a video is like so important for making it go viral. So we made sure, okay, we need to always get that money shot and like put it like right at the beginning. So, so much of it is just like testing, experimenting and, and iterating. Welcome, this is Phil Michaels, Forbes 30 Under 30 Entrepreneur and Performance Coach. Forbes names the top 30 entrepreneurs, leaders, and stars in the world. And each week, we bring you one of them to help you level up in your life and business. From celebrities like LeBron James to Kylie Jenner and Cardi B, you're sure to learn from the list. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now it's time to level up. Level up. Welcome to Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. She made the Forbes USA list in 2020 for the media category. She's the creator of BuzzFeed's first travel brand called Bring Me. She was also the content creator for NBC's Snapchat for the 2016 and 2018 Olympics. She's currently a producer for Joe Biden the presidential candidate's social media campaign and working on her own company now, which is a dating app called Gleam, G-L-E-A-M, where you can screen your date on video before you date them in person. Please welcome my very special guest, Liz Warner. Hello, so excited to be here. Welcome to the show, very excited to have you here. It's my pleasure and my honor. Liz, welcome. Uh, before we get started, before we dive into things, where were you when you found out you made the Forbes list? What do you remember about that moment? Oh man, where was I? I was actually about to hop on a like a very important phone call, and then I like checked my email just before I was hopping on. I was already like a minute late, and I like couldn't believe my eyes, and I like I just I think I just froze, and. Then like after collecting myself for five minutes, I like hopped on the call. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't even focus right now. I got on, I got Forbes 30 under 30 list. And I, I think I still can't believe it to this day. It's just been so crazy. That's an unbelievable moment. Well-deserved though. The amount you've accomplished already at such a young age is incredible. Um, and I want to hear about this story. The audience wants to hear about your story. So take us back to the very beginning. Where were you? born, where you grew up, and the path that led you to where you are now, ultimately making it to the Forbes list? Yeah, so I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, um, which is where I'm currently quarantining. It's great, a lot more space here. I got a degree in business, um, but I always knew that I wanted to work in video production. So I took internships at WCIU Chicago, and then MTV in New York for two summers, and just absolutely loved it. Like I knew it was what I wanted to do. Um, wow. MTV. That is awesome. Yeah. I mean, as a kid growing up, the yeah, it was really cool T back then TRL, that was the thing with Carson. Uh, mm -hmm. That was a big deal. When you come home from high school, you get to watch this. I mean, that must've been an incredible opportunity at a young age. Yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. We, I don't know if you saw like guy code, girl code. Those were like 
the shows that I mainly worked on and we made, um, me and the other interns made one called Intern Code, which is like embarrassingly still on Vimeo. So don't look it up. <laughs> there you go, audience. You know where to find it. This is the most embarrassing. <laughs> like as soon as I said that, I'm like, oh, I should have said that. <laughs> um, but it was really fun to make. And Sounds like it. And then Yeah. What? So my last year of school, I studied abroad in Spain and just like absolutely loved it, obviously. And I wanted to like finish my last year of school in Argentina, um, but didn't have enough savings. And, you know, my parents were very not excited about that idea either. So I just was like, all right, fine. I'm going to find a way to graduate and get a job where I can get paid and do it myself. Um, so I remember being in my room one day with my roommate and I was watching like a cat video and it was a Buzzfeed video. And she was like, why don't you apply to Buzzfeed? And I was like, Oh, I hadn't like even thought about that. But I'm like, yeah, you're right. Might as well. Um, so I did, and then started off there as an intern, became a producer, managed a bunch of different teams, um, and then launched Bring Me, and the rest is, the rest is history. How did that happen, though? How does an intern go right to a producer? I'm sure your experience was pretty rare and unique. You, they must have seen something in you that was like, wow, Liz is on fire. She's producing viral content. She has something about her. What was that about you that you think they saw? Yeah, so I made a lot of viral content, but also content that was viral that they hadn't seen before. Um, so like, you know, one example was like a really serious video about someone who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. He was like committing suicide, but he was one of the 1% who survived and lived to tell his story because so many people, you know, unfortunately jump off that bridge. And I remember he was just like telling it to me at dinner one night and I was like, oh my God, we need to like feature this. And it was a very like straightforward video, just him like talking straight to camera telling us his story and like it just went so viral I think it got like over 150 million views um it made like the homepage splash and he said you know I've gotten over 10,000 messages from people who said that like they were going to commit suicide that day but didn't because they saw the video so um you know that those are the types of videos that I was just like really passionate about making things that like make an impact. Um, so I, I made a lot of content that I guess like trailblazed in different ways. Um, you know, another one was about what it's like to be intersex, which is something people just like weren't really talking about. Um, and yet it was, you know, this community of people, a lot of whom didn't even know they'd had like surgery as an infant. And after the video went up, there was like, this woman in Russia who like saw it and learned she was intersex and went on to go and like found this intersex group in, in Russia and her whole like life changed. Um, and I think it's now used as like a training module for the United Nations. So, you know, I was really fortunate to have like an opportunity to make content that made such an impact on people's lives. It sounds like you made not only an impact within your organization, but for millions of people outside were just viewing your content. And it sounds like you just need that one viral video. And from then on, they're like, okay, she's got it going on. Let's trust <laughs> her for the next video. I mean, right. There's, there's certain videos that just catch on and make it. And from then on, you now have a platform to 
to be more creative and express yourself freely, which kind of gives you that, I guess, open door, that window to test things, to experiment. Whereas if you're an intern, normally you might not have as many, uh, you know, free, how, as much freedom to do what you want to do creatively. Yeah, definitely. It didn't, it wasn't something that happened overnight. You know, it was a lot of like training myself and studying data. And I actually like, I didn't even know how to shoot when I started. I had to like ask people who were producers, I'm like, can you show me how to shoot the camera? Um, which is funny to think about now, but. Well, I love what you said is it's not, it just didn't happen overnight. And the funny thing about a overnight success is that it takes 10 years. Exactly. Exactly. It was a lot of just like, you know, learning from people before me and also the content that had gone out previously and had been successful. Tell me more about this intersex thing. Is this, these are children that were, their, their sex was changed early on without them knowing? Yeah. So it's called gender reassignment surgery. And it's like, unfortunately, still a practice that happens today, which is wild. But basically when I make sure I'm like phrasing this correctly, but it's like when babies are born with characteristics of both like X and Y chromosomes, you have to look up the like exact definitions. I don't want to butcher it. Um, oftentimes doctors will just assign them uh, a gender. And so they'll grow up like sometimes, you know, not, not matching with their own gender identity or like feeling confused because this information is often hidden from them. And like, they had no idea that this happened. Um, and that's what happened to this, you know, woman in Russia who just like saw the video and was like, something about this sounds really weird. And then realized it had happened to her because she went back and found like documents that, uh, showed she had had that surgery when she was little. Very interesting. And it opens up a whole new community for people that might not have ever known this existed. And they're like, wait, that happened to me. I need to to meet other people that could empathize with me that can act as a sounding board or maybe just share opinions and thoughts. And so that's amazing that you were able to do that. Um, with regard to the suicide prevention, so important, so relevant for the time that we're currently facing right now. I just interviewed a for another Forbes member. He's a neuroscientist at McGill university and he studies post-mortem brain tissue samples from those that have died by suicide. And he taught me that you should never say the word commit suicide. Because, and I had no idea about this because apparently suicide used to be a, considered a crime. So mm -hmm. that's where the word commit suicide came from as if you committed a crime. So he said the proper terminology is die by suicide. And he said, the reason this is so important in one of his roles is at educating media on this because the newspaper and, and media outlets can impact how many other people die by suicide as a result of an article published about suicide. So for example, when Robin Williams died by suicide, the, there was a dramatic increase. When Kate Spade died by suicide, there was a dramatic increase in the amount of people that kill themselves afterwards simply by two things. One, using the word commit suicide and two, going into too much detail about how they um, killed themselves. Little things like that they noticed, unfortunately, increase how many others die by suicide afterwards. Little cool wow. tips that could dramatically change the trajectory of many people's lives. So the fact that you were doing so, 
so much impactful work early on. I think you were a trendsetter in that regard. And so what took you from when you started making those viral videos to the next step of your career? Yeah, so next step of my career, like within BuzzFeed or within like what I'm working on now? Both. In general, both. So I had made a lot of impactful viral videos and it kind of got to the point where, you know, my boss at the time was like, all right, like, what do you want to do next? Like, is there like something you want to try or you want to crack? And I was like, I really want to crack travel content. Like I was just super passionate about travel. Like, you know, as are many people, like I love learning about other cultures and like being different places. Um, and it was something, you know, Buzzfeed had like tried to crack before, but couldn't. And when I say crack, I mean like go consistently viral. And, um, so he's kind of like, all right, well, if you can figure it out, like, we'll make it happen. I was like, cool. So I started filming videos around LA, just like at local places um, and experimenting with like how they were edited, how they were shot. And I remember the first one where we saw a little bit of a spark was um, this cupcake ATM in Beverly Hills. So it's like a 24 hour cupcake ATM where you can go up obviously at any time of the day and like just put a credit card in and then like poop out a cupcake. And that video went viral. So it was like, okay, like, you know, this is something here. So we, we took the learnings from that video, started shooting other types of content. Um, and yeah, basically turned it into bring me. Which is mainly focused on travel and experiences around the world, whether it's, it, it reminds me of Brooke Burke on uh, wild on E she was kind of the one that I think set the tone. I don't know, you're in the industry, so you know better than me. But I remember as a kid, I looked up to this woman because she's like traveling the world. She's living this amazing life, partying with all these different cultures on TV before social media, obviously. And that really set the tone for my inspiration to travel around the world. But I feel like this is something similar where you were going around the world, experiencing different things within cultures and then highlighting the best parts of that experience. Yeah, I think what was so cool about it is that, you know, there wasn't really like a guide to like local places that you could go and visit, like places that people from there would recommend. Like everything you see is like Yelp or TripAdvisor and it's like the top 10. Like if you search Paris, it'll be like, go to the Eiffel Tower. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to go to like the favorite, like crepe hole in the wall place that has like, you know, the best Nutella crepes, whatever. Um, and so part of the goal with this brand was to just like showcase these amazing local businesses all around the world that people were so passionate about. I think that's what was so cool about shooting it is because like you meet people who are just obsessed with this like one very specific thing they do and they just kill it and getting to like feature them. I mean, they were just so excited because they're like, Oh, like this is, you know, this is the first time this has ever happened. And so, so many of those videos would just blow up to the point where like they would have lines around the block and like, you know, one place even opened up four different locations across the globe just because of the video. So it was also really cool to see like, the impact that we would have on these small businesses that then just like exploded. So you're starting to create all this viral content. You're getting better and better at it. You're analyzing using data science to understand what's working, what's not working. How did you come to those conclusions? What, what ultimately developed in your mind of what creates virality? 
Yeah. So I get asked this question a lot and, you know, there's no like black and white answer of like, here's the formula for making something that's viral. So much of it is just looking at data. Like you almost have to be a little bit of a data scientist. You do have to be a data scientist. And, you know, we would take, okay, here's our top performing videos of the week. And then we would like watch them. We would study them. We would talk about like, here's why we think this one, you know, performed better. And then you essentially like iterate on those hypotheses. So, you know, an example is like one thing we found was that the first three seconds of a video is like so important for making it go viral. So we made sure, okay, we need to always get that money shot and like put it like right at the beginning. So, so much of it is just like testing, experimenting and, and iterating. I love that the first three seconds, because our attention spans are so short and we have, there's so much competition. I mean, there's so much entertaining content. It is unbelievably ridiculous. You could sit there your entire year and just consume content and you'd be entertained forever. But so what else, in addition to like the three second move, that's genius. I love that idea. So there's so many things. It also like depends totally on the platform. So like when I say that, that was like very much like a Facebook tactic. And also that was before, you know, TikTok existed, which if you think about it, TikTok's just kind of like a sped up version of that. It's just like first three seconds of every video is like pretty much like very encapsulating, like draws you in. And when you're creating content for like Facebook pages, like that's almost like what you're competing against. Like someone just going like this with their phone or with their thumb on their phone and being like, all right, how do we get them to like stop? Um, So, I mean, another interesting thing would just be like, you know, the title of the video, like we never wanted to do anything like clickbaity, but it was more so something to kind of make you curious. So it could be like, you know, an interesting thumbnail with like a unique title, or it could be like, we would do a lot of videos that would like pose questions because a lot of times that would make people be like, Hmm, I want to know the answer to that. Um, so using questions in the title is, is important. Three first three seconds is important. And it, the questions make sense too, because you want them to engage with the content and maybe provide their opinion or their answer to your question. Right. Totally. And it, it depends on the content too. So like you could do really, We also tried to do really different styles of content. Like, you know, there's so many, when you think of Vegas, you think like partying and like partying and alcohol. Um, So we made a video that was like five reasons, five things to do in Vegas if you hate Vegas, which was just like a totally different spin on it. And also targeted like a very specific identity of people who, you know, are like, oh, that's really interesting. Like I've never seen Vegas and like a new light like that. Um, so we would get, you know, people excited in that way by, by showing things in a completely different light. By being like dichotomous from what the stereotypical dogmatic norm is of Las Vegas. Cause I'm one of those people that's like, oh, Vegas is basic. That's the bachelor party central. But if then you tell me, oh, these are things to do in Vegas, if you're not doing the typical ratchet bachelor party, for example. So you're playing on that dichotomy, similar to the zigzag principle when everyone's zigging you should be zagging. You stand out amongst that saturated market. Totally. And you always, you know, have to be iterating as well. So it's like, once you do something, like it's very likely 10 other people will copy you. So you have to like always be brainstorming new ideas and new things to test out. Like we never got to a place where we were comfortable. It was always like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's a week ahead? What's a year ahead? 
Yeah. And you cannibalize your own content and it probably keeps you on your toes too. But now you're like the queen, Liz, because <laughs> you're now people are expecting you to continually and consistently produce viral content. So that's got to be a lot of pressure on your shoulders. Totally. Yeah. It was like, you know, we were always looking at like, okay, are we number one? Are we number one? And if we weren't, it's like, shoot, what do we have to do to get back up there? Like, what do we need to do to be like, you know, making more content, changing it up, like experimenting. So it was definitely something, you know, we would talk about every single day. Like it, we never, yeah, never got complacent at all. It's a good, good rule of thumb to live by. What is your favorite platform to produce for? You know, it used to be YouTube, I would say, because I liked being able to like delve into longer form content and to be able to, you know, kind of get to see someone's like personality. Like I always thought that was really fun. But lately I've just been into making like, you know, really short content for like Instagram. Um, I don't make content for TikTok, but I love just being on TikTok and watching what other people do. Like, I think it's so amazing. So yeah, I think I'm more into like short form content at the moment, just because I like getting to the point right away and like making an impact in like 10 seconds. <laughs> I love it. And what would you say is like a rule of thumb for the short form content? Like if you're thinking Instagram, this is a no, no, like never do this or absolutely you must do this when it comes to short form content, like a Snapchat, a TikTok or an Instagram. As for short form content, like a similar thing, like you want to get to the point right away. Like I see a lot of content that like, you don't really know what the video is about until after like 20 seconds and you've already like lost the viewer at that point. So I'd say like getting to it right away, um, really, really unique and like graphic visuals are super important. Um, so like if you're making a video about like a restaurant, like you want to show the, you know, the cheese pull or the money shot, like right at the beginning, again, just to like, hook people in um and it yeah. seems like there's certain things that humans are really aroused by emotionally like obviously food is one of them um i feel like aesthetics wise obviously if there's a good looking man or woman uh if a, a, a exceptional architecture or something or a beautiful landscape i, I was looking at this article and it said that the the number one and number two reasons that people visit a city, number one was architecture, number two was food. Now I realize why so many cities are trying to build the tallest building in the world. And then this year it's this city has the tallest building in the world. And that year it's this building has, or this city has the tallest building in the world because that's what brings tourists into that city, food and architecture. Yeah. So it sounds like there's certain criteria that if you if your video or content meets that criteria, there's certain things you know are going to pull on those emotional strings of a human being. Definitely. And those are so many of the videos that you see go viral, like especially on Instagram Reels. It's like it'll be just a 10 10 second shot of like gorgeous architecture, you know, somewhere in Amsterdam and like that's it. It's like a 10 second video and it's just like look at these dope buildings. And it just like explodes. So there's so much to just like getting something very visual right away at the beginning, which is, you know, also a lot of how TikTok operates as well. That's the key. You heard it first, ladies and gentlemen. 
Thinking about your success, Liz, before we get into your next venture, what do you think was the single most important attribute you had that allowed you to get to where you are today, the success you've achieved now? Definitely, I would say it's just being a bit of a data scientist and like really just opening up your mind to learn, not only from the data, but from other people. You know, I think there's, especially when you're creating content, like it's a very artistic thing. And, um, you know, people come in with very specific ideas about what they want to do, which is like great. But I think what sets you apart is if, you know, you make a piece of content and it performs well or it doesn't perform well, but then you don't like learn from it and you don't like try something new or you don't experiment. Um, Cause that was one thing, you know, we saw a lot of is people just try the same thing again and again and again, and it like wasn't working. So the people that, you know, would see success are those that would, would, would really like learn from what they made or also just like from other people. Um, so it's definitely like, you know, being a bit of a student all the time never just getting complacent. It's, it's kind of like insanity. You do the same thing over and over, expect different results. That's insanity. So you were just constantly iterating using that design thinking approach. I love that. And the creative iterative process, kind of like the lean startup model for startups, instead of trying to perfect everything and then launch, you just create a small MVP, a small iteration of it, get some feedback, learn from it, create your second iteration. And then you're more feedback, and then your third iteration, and you keep moving very quickly through that lean startup cycle. Yeah, Um, so similar. So speaking of learning, what was the most surprising learning that you had uh, analyzed from your data scientists, uh, data science? So after looking at all the data, after looking at all the videos, what was the most surprising thing? You're like, wow, I was not expecting that, that the color blue happens to do the best out of all of our title cover cover colors so is there anything surprising what was the most surprising thing you learned from all your analytics one really surprising thing i remember again this was like what was it 2018 is like most people don't have more than like a fifth grade reading level when it comes to watching these videos so we would put and i don't mean necessarily in terms of like complicated words but just like the sheer amount of text because we would have a decent amount of text on video that was like explaining what was happening. But then when you talk to people, they're just like, Oh yeah, I didn't read any of that. I just like looked at it. I just looked at the picture. So we're like, okay, cool. Glad we spent so much time on the text. So literally if there's more than like, I think it was like five words on a screen, like they did not get read. And this was more for like, you know, short form content, which I definitely think still applies today. You just kind of like glaze over, you know, you look at the next thing that comes up. Um, so I'd say like, that was, that was very surprising. Like we had to greatly simplify the amount of text on screen that we would put there. That makes sense too, because people are, you know, they want to scroll fast. So if they can just visually look at it, it's easier. It doesn't take as much cognitive bandwidth. So their energy stays high. And also though, on the flip side, nowadays they're saying that a lot of the video content is watched without the sound anymore. So yeah. now that's why subtitles and captions are so important for your video content now, right? Yeah, actually that was, I think, I mean, again, the statistic might've changed, but I remember it was something like 80% of people just didn't watch content with sound on. So I was like, all right, I guess we don't need to focus so much on like finding, you know, the perfect music and matching it to the beats because people just didn't listen to it. 
What about other companies or marketing campaigns that you were like, wow, that was good? Because when I think of different innovative brands or commercials, I always admire and appreciate the amount of creativity that went into it. One of my favorites is the Fire Festival, how they got all of the, you know, infamous, we should say, uh, they got all these Instagram influencers to post just a blank orange square. And it just stopped you because it was a zigzag principle when everyone has all this, you know, robust content. And then you see just a blank orange square, it stops you from scrolling. I thought that was genius. Was there anything that you saw? Like, what are your top three most viral campaigns that you didn't produce, but you were like, wow, that was good. I'm impressed. Oh man, hard to narrow it down to like top three. I've been really loving and so many brands are doing this now that are just like, you know, very not afraid to like state their position about something, whether it be like politics or like Black Lives Matter. Like, I don't know if you've seen what Ben and Jerry's has been doing and they've like, you know, named different like flavors of ice cream um, after like the Black Lives Matter movement and just like in a very non-apologetic way. And so many people I know are like, oh, I'm totally going to go buy Ben and Jerry's ice cream now because like they really took a stand and it was like in a very, you know, I don't want to say like non-brand safe way. I think they, you know, they did what other brands should be doing, which is, which is like, Hey, like this is something that's really important to us. And we're going to like be really obvious about it um, in a way that got so many other people excited about buying ice cream. Yeah, It seems like people are realizing that brands are just a group of people. So behind that brand, is a group of people that have opinions, thoughts, you know, passion totally. or compassion for movements that they want to stand up for and speak out against. But it seems like it's one-sided. So just to play devil's advocate, it seems like they want tolerance, but not if it doesn't follow their agenda. What do you like, mean by that? Meaning they're, let's say it follows the, the left agenda or the liberal agenda. If you're in support of it and in support of like being more tolerant, for example, they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's buy more Ben and Jerry's. But if you speak out and you're a brand and you're, you want to share your thoughts and maybe you don't agree with the BLM movement or you don't agree with the, the liberal left's agenda. If you speak out, you're almost castrated or, or shunned away or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like criminalized almost for speaking out if it's not in favor of that movement. So it seems like that movement seems to be preaching tolerance, but yet they're not willing to be tolerant of people that have opposing views of, of their side. So it seems like the, there are a lot of brands speaking up and speaking out, but it does seem very one-sided. Like you don't see other brands. Remember Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A, not that I agree or disagree with their approach. I'm not sharing my opinion on it. I'm just sharing an example of this where Chick-fil-A kind of stood up for being closed on Sundays because they're a religious rights movement and they had feelings about uh, sexuality and sexual preference and they continue to stand up for it. But it seemed like because they weren't following that agenda, they were kind of shunned away and, and the media definitely put a, uh, put a beating on them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think they were shunned away because they closed on Sundays. It was more because, you know, they weren't accepting of people who were 
gay. And so, yeah, no, I wasn't saying that that's the reason that was just one example of their religious beliefs that they close on Sundays. They don't agree with the sexual preference of non heterosexuality, homosexuality. Mm -hmm. But it seems like how, how do you handle that from a media company of ensuring that you, because obviously you have your own opinions and views, but what if, let's say you're running a campaign for Chick-fil-A and maybe you don't agree or your ethics or morals don't align with what they want you to present in terms of content? How do you handle something like that? And has that ever happened where something that they wanted you to do didn't align with your own personal morals or values? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I would work for them if I didn't agree with what they were saying. You know, I think any time that like a brand's it wants to show like tolerance for people like, you know, what, what Ben and Jerry's did, like what they're saying is like people who are like, it's almost like they didn't want to serve people who are intolerant, which, you know, I don't think is a bad thing at all. I think they were just like making a stand of like, you know, why should we serve ice cream to people who don't support like the black lives matter movement, which obviously makes sense. Um, I don't think I've been in a situation that I can think of where I like, didn't support it. Um, you know, I'm very like eco-conscious and there was, there was one time where like a water plastic water bottle company wanted to feature me. And I really was like, Oh man, this is like very conflicting. And it didn't, it didn't go through. Um, but I, I was like, yeah, I guess I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Like I was, I was pl planning to turn it down and then it just like fell through anyway. So it's definitely, you know, not easy, especially when there's like a lot of money involved, but you just have to ask yourself, you know, is it, is it worth the, the moral confliction that you have to face? Yeah, it could be, everybody, I guess, has their price. Like even one of my clients, I, I respect him for this. He turned down a deal uh, with McDonald's because he just doesn't believe in, in serving people unhealthy, you know, artificial foods, but McDonald's pays a pretty big, uh, fee for for your services so it's it was pretty bold move and and i respect them for that so i guess it, yeah it comes down to a case-by-case -case basis of one who are you working for within your own company but then what type of content are you producing for the clients or customers yeah but that's i say you pretty you're pretty lucky you haven't had to handle that um to a large extent yet that's no nice. no luckily i have not yet Staying on this path of learning, what do you think has been your biggest lesson during your journey that maybe you wish you had learned from sooner? I think just not trying to be like put out something that's like super, super perfect all the time. And like, like you said, it's like you want to just get something out there and like get feedback on it. And there's a tendency to, you know, make sure it's like perfect because if it's not, then like, is the feedback accurate, but you'll find that like, you will still get very, very helpful feedback that will lead you in the right direction. Even if, you know, the products that you're putting out, like, isn't totally perfect yet. So I'd say that's something I wish I knew sooner and that I'm like still working on, um, because it's definitely a very important thing. Thinking about your hustle, you obviously hustled your way through a huge media corporation and now are starting your own company. Uh, before we dive into your new company, what's something scrappy you did to hustle that maybe you couldn't have revealed when you were first starting out, but you're willing to share now? 
Yeah. So I would say when, you know, I was working on launching Bring Me, we didn't have big budgets by any means. Like part of it was like, okay, how do we do this on like a very, very tight budget? So I used to like ask my friends that like lived abroad that I met when I studied abroad to go and like film things for me with their cell phones. And then they would send the footage over and then, you know, I would just like edit it. So there's a lot of, a lot of scrappiness in making travel content for relatively very low budget. That's a great idea. Smart. I mean, you were savvy and creative about it. It reminds me of Sarah Blakely. She uh, had her friends, she paid her friends actually to go into Neiman Marcus stores where her product was being sold and go and and buy her product to make it look like she was getting sales at Neiman Marcus. She's incredible. She actually uh, grew up right down the street over here in uh, Tampa Bay area. Oh, Pretty cool. amazing. I love that. She's incredible. She's unbelievable. Uh, we follow her on Instagram too. She, her and her husband create some of the funniest content together. Oh my so, God. I love it. I need to follow her. So tell us about your company now, because I think this is a genius idea with how much time is wasted on social media and dating apps. You're saving people time by allowing users to screen their dates on video before they have to actually go out in person and get ready. And you have to maybe invest in a dinner and it's a big commitment to go out and in an in-person date nowadays. And if you have multiple dating apps and you have multiple dates lined up, if you could save yourself some time of weeding out those that might not align very quickly through a video date, I mean, it's a no brainer. So please tell us how did you transition from where you were at at Buzzfeed to ultimately starting your own company and this idea that you came up with? Yeah. Well, thank you. You just sold it for me right there. So my work is done. Um, yeah. So I've had this idea, I swear for like years, like maybe five years or something. And then about a year and a half ago, I just like, I was on like a mini trip with like my girlfriends and I was like, just so frustrated with how much effort it took to like meet people and to go from like swiping to then texting to then like meeting in person. And then you like realize within three seconds, you're not interested in that person. Um, so three I second rule keeps coming up here. <laughs> yes. And so I started video calling dates. Like we would text for a little bit and I'm like, Hey, do you want to just like do a quick video chat? And I don't think I had a single guy say no. Um, maybe like one, but like every single guy said yes. And I started talking about it with my friends and they're like, Oh, that's such a good idea. Like I would totally start doing that. And I was like, yeah, right. It just makes so much sense. So I decided that day, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start working on this. Cause it was something I was like doing on my own anyway. And like every girlfriend I would talk to about it. And even the guys I would go on dates with like loved it. So I just started working on it in all my free time. And I was like, I'm just going to keep doing this until someone stops me. And now we're like close to launch. I'm like, I can't believe like no one stopped me yet. I guess, I, I guess this is happening. You're on to um, something. What do people <laughs> See, if I got a video call, I'd be like, oh, I, I want to make sure my hair looks good. I want to make sure I'm presentable. Was that a common issue when you would just video call these people? Do they want to like give some, get some time to prepare? Like, hey, yeah, give me five minutes. So, yeah, it was never on the spot. We would always be like, you know, we would set a time. So you had time to 
to prepare and figure out like when it was that you you know we're gonna date it wasn't like hey i'm gonna just call you while you're like on the toilet or whatever <laughs> which is probably a lot of the times <laughs> they're on that app but you oh, and, for sure. and you automate that process now right on yeah so so the idea was like you know i want to make an app that just like you said automates it and like as soon as you match with someone it takes you to a video date not right away but like based on when you guys are both available because I think one of the most frustrating things, I mean, for everyone, but especially for women is like, we have to put in additional effort into like our hair and our makeup and our outfits. And like, you know, I was busy with my career as everyone else is. And it's just like, I didn't have time to do that. And any free time I had, like I wanted to just like spend with my friends or like with my roommate, like, you know, I hated like putting in all this time and energy and going on dates and then just coming home being like, I was not interested at all. And it just felt like such a waste of time. And if I had been able to like screen them via video, like I would have known that right away. Um, and so the reason this app is built is, you know, for working people who are just like too busy to be going on like dates all the time. And What's interesting is that it's become much more relevant now with with COVID and everyone's kind of been forced to adopt this idea of just like video, which is definitely, you know, a little bit unnatural and like people are getting used to it. But like because, you know, people have no choice, they are getting used to it. And so many people have said that like they actually like really love the idea of, you know, talking to someone via video first so that they know, okay, like, you know, this isn't a waste of my time. I could actually like be interested in meeting this person. And for COVID, it makes sense because if you live in a more restricted city and maybe restaurants aren't open yet, this is a way where you could still make it a little bit more in-person or humanistic where you might not be able to meet in person, but at least you're somewhat putting a face to the name in real life as you as much as you can get in real life. We're lucky, we live in Tampa and it's it's very open here. So, uh, but I, but I still think that it could be very much useful for those that want to just save time. I mean, I could already list tons of my single friends that would love this because they're all about efficiency. And I mean, some guys have even created like these automatic swiping machines where they build a little robot. (laughs) I mean, this is the other thing I learned is like all the, all the popular dating apps are built to keep you on there as long as possible. So that means that like, they're showing you people who like, you probably aren't as interested in. And like, I can't, I don't know the algorithm. So this is just more from just like what I've learned on my own, but they do what they can to keep you swiping on the app, to keep you talking to people because, you know, that's like a lot of how they make money and they're just, they're built to be inefficient. And so we want to build something that is efficient from the start and like gets people off the app as soon as they get on it. It makes sense too that some guys try to, and I'm sure girls do this too, or women do this too, where they gamify or they learn how to gamify the app, the algorithm. So, because I know the algorithm also, if you pay for the premium version, you don't have to swipe as much because it's getting people, they start to learn of your interests and they get you people that are more in line with what you value or what the aesthetics you're looking for in, in a partner. So are you thinking about how you want to handle the back end of the app? What do you mean by handle the back end of the app? Like what do you mean? In terms of algorithms, is there a certain type of algorithm that you want to 
you know, make it more conducive for them meeting are, you know, some are built on being Jewish, some are built mm-hmm. on being a person of color. Is there anything that you want to kind of narrow down in terms of your interest? When I think of Bumble, I think of more female friendly because it gives them the decision to choose who they're, you know, going to move forward with or not. Totally. So that's something we talk about a lot is like, you know, are there fun things we could do that would match people more with similar interests? And those are things that will probably come on like V3 or V4. But for right now, we are matching people based on when they're both available. So like when you are swiping through people, you're swiping through people who have the same, have some overlap in some way in their schedule, which is kind of a good thing anyway, because like, you don't almost don't want to like go on a date with someone who like you can never see. Um, so the first initial filter is just like, is there time that both of you can actually meet for 10 minutes to talk? It seems like Calendly. Uh, I use exactly. Calendly for Definitely. all of my meetings. It saves so much time. How was this not invented like 10 years ago? If you don't already know and you're listening, you have to download Calendly. I don't work for them. I don't get compensated for telling you this. It's just going to save you and everyone else trying to meet with you a lot of time. And it basically syncs with your calendar and they just choose a time rather than this back and forth. Of, oh, when are you available? How about Thursday at six? Oh, no, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. It automates all of that. And for those listening that are on the dating apps, I have some help helpful statistics for you. They found for men, this is based on all the analytics from different dating apps. For men, these are six dating tips for men on the app specifically. Professional headshots increase likes by 92%. So go out there, pay 150 bucks to a photographer and get about 100 photos done and you know, upgrade your profile, ladies and gentlemen. Facial hair increases likes by 57%, gentlemen. Dogs increase likes by 29%. So those are the three to-dos. Now, men, the three do-not-dos are group shots. Group shots decrease likes by 33%. Hats decrease likes by 29%. And sunglasses decrease likes by 21%. So make sure you are not taking group shots you're not using hats and you're not using sunglasses. Now for the women, because I know you're going to want to know these tips too. For women, these are the to do's, six tips. First one, photos with an instrument increase, a musical instrument increase likes by 29%. Photos playing sports increase likes by 21% and bikinis increase likes by 5%. Not a surprise on the bikini increasing likes, but definitely a surprise on only 5%. I was expecting more there. And with the decreasing, the ladies, these are the do not do's. It's actually the opposite for dogs, for men and women. For men, dogs increase the likes. For women, it actually decreases. And I don't want to, you know, hypothesize about this, but what I think is happening is men are thinking, okay, you know, is it her dog? Am I moving in with somebody and have to take care of their dog as well? You know, I think they're starting to think about, you know, what level of care do they provide on top? And then two is sunglasses decrease likes by 14. And lastly, group shots decrease by 12%. So sunglasses and group shots are the same for both men and women. But there's your tips. I prepared these just for. Wow, I love that. (laughs) Can I also add one is just like mirror selfies. Not a fan. (laughs) 
Are those still a thing? I thought those stopped in the Oh my God, every every third guy is mirror selfie. And like, I don't, I've never met a single female friend who's just like, oh my God, look at this mirror selfie. This guy is so hot. It's like, no. This guy looks great in his wife beater, uh, (laughs) A shirt, in in his bathroom mirror. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Yeah. No. (laughs) Don't do mirror selfies. You're going to need to send me those stats. That was great. I love it. I'm happy to. I want people to, to meet their match and hopefully it helps the apps algorithm too. Yes. Um, we're going to transition now into something I like to call the under 30 seconds round. Where I'm going to fire off some questions, answer with the first one that comes to mind. Are you ready, Liz? I'm ready. What is the book you've gifted more often than any other book and why? Oh man, I'd say the mom test is a book I've been talking about a lot recently it just shows you how to test an idea without being biased about it it's great the mom test mm-hmm. why it's is mom i was gonna say it's a, it's a it's basically a book on how to like actually get unbiased feedback on an idea because mm-hmm. like when you talk about something you want to build or create with like a friend they are going to want to tell you subconsciously like what you want to hear so they're going to want to say things trying to be like yeah that sounds great that's dope but then there are certain ways you can ask the question that will get you like a genuine response and like one example is like is saying you know have you paid for dating apps before and they might say like no so if you were to ask them like oh is this something you pay for like what people say yes that they will do is like much less likely to be accurate than Mm. what they've done in the past. So there's little, like, it has all these like really interesting tricks and tips for, for ways you can get accurate information. That's a great idea. I love that. And, and your mom, I get it now because your mom is going to tell you the truth. I mean, it reminds me of my, my mom's an old school Italian from New Jersey and Philly. And, you know, she was like, when I, I quit the Yankees to move on to entrepreneurship and she was like, who the hell quits the New York Yankees and and what the hell is an entrepreneur? (laughs) Gave it to me cut and dry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously it depends on the mom as well. The mom test. I love it. All right. What's one of the best investments and one of the worst investments you've ever made and why? Oh man. I mean, I can tell you what I've been thinking about this week. The best one was from this month was Tesla. Um, that did well. And I like luckily took it out when it was, you know, really high. So that was fun. And then my worst, I've just had money in, BP for a long time. And, Mm. you know, as it turns out, people are uh, not wanting to invest in oil and gas, obviously. So that would be one of my worst. There you go. What's one of the most impactful things you do in your morning routine? And what's the most impactful thing you do in your evening routine? So funny because once quarantine started, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be one of those people that like wakes up at 6am, like, gets my workout in and I am still the person who wakes up 10 minutes before the meeting, you know, despite my best efforts. So I would say that like, I don't have much of a morning routine and I tend to get most of my work done late at night. Um, and I think you just have to do what works best for you, you know? So it's like, no one bothers me at night and it's like silent. So I get so much more done. So I'm just kind of okay with, you know, rolling out of bed, like when I have to. So just experiment, find what works for you, but you got to experiment to, to know. Exactly. And Pert- I've also been, um, been rollerblading. So if anyone wants to rollerblade with me, like, please hit me up because I'm looking for blade buddies. And you're in LA, right? I'm in LA. Yes. 
Okay. So if you're in LA or if you're, you happen to cross paths while you're back in Chicago, um, rollerblade, as long as it's not too cold and there's rollerblading here in Tampa, I, I won't be rollerblading with you, but you should be rollerblading, <laughs> we'll just virtually rollerblade together. The masculinity might decline if, if I'm caught rollerblading outside. I need no, rollerblade, to... there's rollerblading, roller skating. Skating is like more, can be more mm. dancey. Is it? Skating is like the inline, which is like totally masculine. I mean, that was like the middle school party jump off. If you had a roller skating party, you were, you were happening. Exactly. So. You're still happening. It's the new trend now. <laughs> now they're going to be electric rollerblades. I'm sure they already have. Oh, them. I'm sure. Mark my words. Pretend you won the Peter Thiel fellowship and you were going to get money to start a business instead of go to college. What's the very first thing you do to start your new business? Man, I mean, I would put the money towards towards my app that would be my first answer but my second answer if i had just if i was going to college i would put it towards probably some sort of like production company that was geared towards saving the planet like i think i want to make my own version of like national geographic but with like an impact or like clause behind it of eco-consciousness more impact happening from liz i love it <laughs> yeah and the last yeah. one What's something you never knew you needed? Something I never knew I needed. Hmm. Oh, Vitamix. Love my Vitamix. I was like, I wasn't like a big blender. And then I got a Vitamix and I was like, and now I'm just blending left and right. All kinds just of blend things. Everything. everything. Lunch, dinner, breakfast. Lunch, dinner, you know cell what's, phones tvs it just like what, <laughs> what's your go-to mix like what do you blend most often okay i get so judged for this Uh-oh. <laughs> so i also want to say but whatever i say anyway um i make my own almond milk because it tastes so much better than the store-bought one and i'll do like these mixes so i'll do like almond with a little bit of oat maybe a little bit of coconut and i'll just like I just, I get mad creative with you're, you're so LA. I know. I know. That's what everyone says. I'm like, oh, I also eat deep dish pizza. So maybe that like cancels it out. Okay. There you go. You balance it out. Yeah. But you, but you rollerblade. So we need to <laughs> balance it out even more. Yeah. We do. We do oat milk. We like oat milk. So oat milk is so good. So if you haven't good. tried it, definitely give it a taste. Oatly is the best, I think. You know, I'm actually curious, uh, one bonus question, because I'm sure there might be people listening that maybe they wanted to get into the media industry. What advice or tip would you give someone just starting out that wants to get into this career? I'd say, hey, just like, don't be afraid to experiment and like try different things. But then also be like, you know, treat it like a science rather than like, a painting or like you're making an art form because the best content comes from people who are like, I want to make this. And like, here is why. And you actually have like other content to like back up almost as evidence as to like why it is that you want to try this new thing. So if you're going into this field, I would say stay open-minded, um, you know, come up with hypotheses and think like a scientist. And then work for MTV and then BuzzFeed and then start your own exactly. dating app. Boom. <laughs> yeah. No, but listen, that's great advice. And I always tell people, focus on what you're best at, outsource the rest. So maybe you are more of the creative artist. 
and you're not the data analytics person, then you're not the numbers person, find someone who is and mm -hmm. team up. And then you compliment each other. One of you is the numbers person, one of you is the art artist. Totally. Go. And, you know, I'm sure people know this too, but there's no like one clear direct path as to like, like you don't know where you're going to end up. So you just have to do what is exciting to you and like what excites you over the next three months and then see where it takes you. And you can join and become part of like, you know, the media community in so many different ways. That's one of the things I always share about business. It's, it, it's the difficulty of business is that there's not a clear path to success. You could be successful in so many different realms. It's not like basketball where you know you need to know how to dribble, pass, shoot, run. And you know the goal is getting the ball in the hoop, in the net. With business, the goals are all over the place. The practice is all over the place for the games. So you kind of have a lot to work with, which could be good and bad, depending on how folks you are. So build a team experiment, use the iterative approach, use the design thinking approach, and you'll get there. Exactly. Thank Love you so it. much for being here today, Liz. It was such a pleasure. Before you go, what's next for you? What's the next big goal, milestone, or bucket list item you want to achieve? You know, definitely focusing on the campaign. Um, and Oh, the Joe Biden campaign. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm working on the Joe Biden campaign. So, so my next goal is to get Trump out of office. Um, what's something you learned from that that was surprising to you? Like, I mean, it's your first time working on a huge political campaign for the president. Yeah. I mean, I think what was surprising to me is actually like how similar it is to everything I've done before. Like, I think I was going into it thinking like, oh my God, this is me, a totally different experience. I'm not going to know, you know, how to do anything. Like I'm going to be learning, which is very exciting for me. And there's definitely a lot of that, but I mean, so much of it is just like actually very similar, which is like, you know, look at what's performed well. Like, how do you iterate on those successes? Like, look at the types of content that you've made before. And like, how can you kind of like apply that to, to a campaign? And, and you know, the core principles are actually like very similar. So I've, I think that's been the most surprising thing. They're probably looking to you like, hey, Liz, help us out with this social media. I'm 74 years old. I need help here. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that's really cool, which I, I don't say I didn't expect, but I just didn't have any expectations for is just like how everyone is like so excited to work together and just like work as a team. Like if you need something done, there's like 10 other people that can be like, Oh, let me help you with this or someone else. It's like, Oh, I can do this for you. And it's just like, Oh wow. It's like so much, so much help. And so much, like so many people just like working together because there's, you know, such an important shared goal um, at the end of the day. So work to make the dream work. What's, what's been the most viral piece of content on the Biden side? And what's been the most viral piece of content from the Trump side? Oh, man, I don't think it's like, even if I told you it now, it would be totally different. And I don't have the exact up to date statistics um, on like the most viral piece. So I'd have to get that for you. What's What's so far what's been one of the most viral campaigns or pieces of content so one of the most viral is um a video on joe biden's youtube called a socially distanced conversation and it's literally just joe and kamala sitting down like socially distanced far across from each other just like talking and it's very much you know it has an unedited feel which i think gave people this like really 
you know, unique insight into like, oh, this is like what they're actually like as people. And it's not like a super highly edited piece where it's just like bits and pieces here. It's like, you're really like, you feel like you're sitting down there with, sitting down there with them and like listening to what they're saying. So I would definitely recommend. Like an authentic you know. raw conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And was there anything from the Trump side that you were impressed with? Like, wow, this actually went viral. Like what did, what did they do here? Um, you know, nothing that I was particularly impressed with that I would say for here. His campaign tends to put a lot of like very, very short sound bites and clips like onto his YouTube channel that, you know, don't have like a ton of editing on them. So it's very much just like get quick words and sound bites out there really fast, which is definitely like a different he, approach. He's like a comedian. I mean, people rant and rave about him just having those one-liners off the cuff with no scripts yeah. it's funny yeah. <laughs> definitely uh, is a character they definitely um, ride off that for sure oh yeah they feed off that mm-hmm. liz where do listeners go to connect with you yeah well you can go on my website lizwarner.com there's like a little contact button so shoot me an email there, or you can find me on LinkedIn. You know, I'm, I'm all over the internet. Hard. And Liz is spelled with two Z's for Z. those listening. So Liz yeah. with two Z's, Warner. Yeah. Uh, dot com. And then your Instagram is at Wander Liz, right? Yes, with two Z's, Wander Liz. And I'll put those in the show notes. Please go connect with Liz. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here today. This is Liz with Gleam, the dating app that you need to join now, who creates viral content too. For Joe Biden, the presidential campaign, we learned what works, what doesn't work. We learned about the three-second rule, not just with creating viral content, but also with vetting your potential dates for the future. We learned so much here today. Thank you so much for being here today. It was such a pleasure. Thank you, Phil. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me on here and can't wait to go blading. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> if you're ever in I'm Tampa, holding you, you to it. Know. We're going virtual blading. Oh, oh that's the next stop. Yeah. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Have an amazing day. Thanks for joining us today. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Who do you think would benefit from hearing it? You can make an impact on their life by sharing it now. Before you go, I encourage you to tell us your favorite part of the episode in the review section. Now it's time to level up. Level up. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.